Welcome to episode 72 of From the Shed End Podcast with myself, T-Dot. As always, Theo, how are you doing? Yeah, I had a bit of a stressful morning, like I told you on WhatsApp, but slightly calmer now. Um, got a big um, move. I'm moving out of my flat tomorrow, so um, war's looking a bit better in the background if you're not watching on YouTube, and it's going to be another bit of a stressful afternoon, and tomorrow morning's going to be a bit stressful with the moving out. But looking forward to seeing Chelsea in the third kit on Saturday against Brighton and uh, some yeah, other weekend yeah. plans, yeah. They always say moving out is one of the most stressful things you can possibly do. I actually don't think the moving out parts is stressful. I think the unpacking is more stressful. Um, yeah. Just trying to find things and you're you're sort of still in that weird place of living out of a box or boxes before you've got everything out. I, that's the stressful bit for me because you can never find anything. The packing's so I'm fine with, but the unpacking, I just, yeah, yeah that's stressful. But um, hopefully that goes smoothly tomorrow and hopefully you get done before three o'clock because obviously we've got a massive game, as you just mentioned, Graham Potter going back to the Amex uh, tomorrow to face Brighton. But before we get into the episode, as always, make sure you subscribe to the channel. Um, link tree link is in the description as well so make sure you click that it's got all our social accounts on there um and also all our previous episodes can be found on spotify and apple Podcasts as well but let's get straight into it because um another brilliant result positive result midweek against rb salzburg um top in the group qualifying for the knockout stages of the champions league which was something that we didn't actually think potentially would happen a couple of weeks ago when we, we uh played Dinamo Zagreb but what was your thoughts on the, the Salzburg game and, and the performance from Chelsea as well? Yeah well firstly to top the group I think given the situation we were in I think it was one point from our first two games and we were slightly almost talking already about Europa League yourself and um, and me I think it's very positive two wins on the bounce against Milan and then a win against RB Salzburg in Salzburg we have to remember that they were unbeaten at home in 40 games so we ended that winning streak of theirs which for me is a very impressive um impressive thing to do and uh, you go to these Red Bull clubs whether it's Leipzig whether it's Salzburg it's never going to be easy it's never going to be easy and I thought I think I predicted 2-1 I wasn't able to do the preview with you but I predicted 2-1 I think with some of my French friends groups I thought it'd be very tight I did think we controlled the game but there were also some shaky moments defensively where we could have easily conceded but I think overall we were the better side I think for me, the highlight of the game was when I think Kepa had the ball and from Kepa, it went to Bama Yang, who was almost one-on-one -on -one with their keeper. And I think every, almost every player touched the ball with just one-touch football and that passage of play was just brilliant for me. It's just such a shame that Bama Yang couldn't put it in the back of the net. Credit to their their keeper. He was brilliant. He played almost like prime Oliver Kahn on a day and he's called, I think he's called Cohen, so it's quite a similar name. But he was brilliant and... Um, in the end, it was two wonder goals from Kovacic and, and Kai Havertz that made the difference. And we did ask, and I think on the previous episode or the one before that, Kai Havertz needs to step up. He really does. And I think um, that's a start for him. I think it's a really good positive goal for him to score. But now it's just he needs to keep that up on a consistent basis because it's good to score a goal once in a blue moon, but he needs to kind of keep it up now and prove to us that he can be our number nine. We can rely on him when it's a tight game. It's a 1-1 one -one and we're looking for the winner. But um, but yeah, overall, a positive performance, three points. Sometimes, no matter how you get the three points, it doesn't matter. It can be messy, but that's what matters is the three points. And like you said, top of the group, um, I think now we can maybe do some rotations against you know, Zagreb on Wednesday, which is good for us because we've got a very busy November period before the World Cup. I think it's Arsenal, Newcastle and City after that. Yeah. So we're going to want to rest some players. I think maybe finally we could see Dennis Zachariah um, get a run in on, uh, on Wednesday. 
Uh, maybe even Carney may um, may get his first start for Chelsea. So um, so yeah, I think a very positive game, and I'm glad we got it um, sealed before the the final game of um, of Group E. Yeah, it was impressive. It was in, it was an impressive performance. I thought, like you said, the build up play uh, for the Abamyang miss is what we have to call it. But I thought it was a really good performance overall from the team. Um, Kovacic again dominating the midfield, bossing the midfield for me arguably and rightfully so man of the match. I thought he played really well. The goal that he took as well, um, and it was very reminiscent to the to the Liverpool goal uh January. Obviously not as good because that was on the volley, but just to have that technique and that quick reaction, the instinct to just slice the ball the way that it did and, and to attempt to get that goal. Um just in itself is is for me why we, we need him in that team in that midfield. But one player that really stood out well two one arguably as well trevor chalabar another mm-hmm. brilliant performance from him um i mean there was cries for him to be in the conversation to go to qatar um for the world cup you look at tyro mings you look at harry Maguire, you look at some of the other center backs that potentially would be um you know who more than likely will go before trevor chalabar and obviously tomorrow can't get, even get you know a run out for england as well but he's putting in some solid performances uh, i think there was a stat 30 is it 33 games that he started and there's been zero losses for Chelsea so he's yeah he's unbeaten amongst, when he started yeah he's, he's amongst good good defenders with Thiago Silva and now Koulibaly obviously Wesley for final when he comes back but Cesar Spiaqueta another experienced defender what would you, I mean what's your thoughts on Chad Chalabal potentially going to the World Cup you know he's got to be in a shout I think that the odds before the game were 14 to 1 they got slashed to 6 to 1 by 90 minutes that kind of tells you that obviously there's a lot of people backing him to to be part of Gareth Southgate's uh, World Cup squad I mean if you're looking at form I definitely feel like he should be picked uh, Euros last summer I think Cody Ming, uh, Maguire and Mings were all in that squad and you look at those players now they bang out of form whereas Chaloba is really performing I saw a tweet it was a name the England player that hasn't yet been capped but deserves to go to Qatar and every single comment was either saying I think it was either Trevor Chalaba or Eze, I think, from Crystal Palace. And I think a couple of shouts for um, Ivan Tony as well. But you've got to look at Trevor Chaloba. And there was a quite, impre- quite a brave kind of um, interview he did recently where he said he was struggling with anxiety last season and he was still performing at a great level. And now I feel like he's really matured into a great player who can really step up when you need him to. Um, I play maybe last season, you worry slightly when you play him in those big games. But now he looks like he's got he's full of confidence. We trust him in a... An England game in a quarter final in a group stage game in a Champions League game. So I think he definitely deserves to go to the World Cup. Maybe I'm being biased because I'm a Chelsea fan, but I'd like to see what rival fans think if they've watched him and what they think. But like you just said, that those statistics don't lie. You know, unbeaten when Chalaba started, he's definitely definitely key in that the in that back line in defence. And I think he's learned a lot from playing alongside uh, Thiago Silva as well, who I want to give a bit of a shout out to as well, because there was one moment where I think Kepa kind of punches it out, but not really comfortably or misses his punch. And Silva just reads it perfectly and gets on the line to clear it. And doesn't just clear it, he clears it for a corner in a way that it just almost bent, bended around the post in a way. But I thought that was a good moment as well. So we've got, we're blessed with some good defenders uh, at the moment, um, but hopefully Chalabas maybe the long-term replacement for, for Thiago Silva, we'll see. Well, that was going to be my other question because, again, when I did the, the match review, one of the things that I said was I, I can see potentially Wesley Fofana or Koulibaly struggling to get back into the team based on current form. Obviously, they're both injured, so I think, obviously, 
Koulibaly's more likely to return before Wesley Fofana. But when they're both fit for the remainder of this season, whenever that is, there's a question that one of the two might actually struggle to get back into the team if Trevor Chalobah continues to put in these really you know, solid you know, eight, nine out of ten performances that he's doing at the moment, there could be there could be question marks if you know Fafana might be warming the bench for the back end of the season. I mean, he's putting in those kind of performances for me, and I agree with you hundred percent. You know, he's he, he's um, he's obviously matured over the last you know six to seven months. Um, there was some performances last season you could see he was a bit shaky. He even like you said admitted it in, in you know himself he, he wasn't used to playing for his boyhood club you know 40,000 plus at Stamford Bridge he, he was it was a big thing for him as a massive step up um but he done he does it well now and I think he's one of those where you you've got the confidence in the way that he plays Thiago Silva like you just said I mean he read the game perfectly midweek um and yeah that that was probably the the standout moment where you can see that his his football brain is still he's still there you know he's still solid as a as a defender um reading the game the way that he does even i think there was a moment where um it was like a harry kane-esque foul which i don't know if you know what i mean but sometimes harry harry kane will sort of put his body mm. into someone to block them from jumping in a way yeah it's a foul then basically it's a foul and you know even to, to carry on after that because i mean that would have been an impact injury it could have been an impact injury could have been something that you know i'm sure would have took the wind out of him or whatever but a 38 still playing at that level it's just, I mean, it's amazing. The fact that we still got him, um, you know, at the club, and we'll, we'll talk about contracts later on today, but the fact we still got him at the club is, is, is for me, it's a shame we didn't get him, you know, four or five years earlier, because imagine what kind of defender we would have got then as well. Yeah, especially alongside uh, Gary Cahill, Ivanovic, John Terry would have been such a joy to watch. But um, also, if you watch this new Netflix show called Captains, he features in a few of the episodes as the captain of Brazil. And you just see how strong his mentality is when he's not playing. He's on the bench, you know, co- almost coaching the players from the bench, like we saw in the Champions League final. Uh, he's a born winner as well. And he's just a professional as well. He, I don't think he's that type of player that you see much, you know, doesn't make the headlines off the pitch for the wrong reasons. He keeps, you know, his life quite discreet. He's a family man as well. And I think um, a big reason why I think Brazil might win the World Cup this this winter is Thiago Silva's captain. It's his last chance as well. So I think um, that may that may play a part as well. I mean, I say Brazil every four years, but I actually really, <laughs> I'm really confident that they're going to win it this year. I mean, it's as an England fan, I wanted to come job. home, but it's yeah, I, I think so. But um, but yeah, great player, and I think there's a possibility we might give them one extra year as well. I wouldn't be surprised. Well, we're, we're going to get onto contracts, <laughs> but um, I want to quickly talk about Salzburg, who I felt in the first half didn't play the best. Um, whatever they said at halftime, it kind of sparked something in them. They kind of came out the second half. I was surprised to see Sesco, who, you know, was a really good player for them. And I've watched him um, on a handful of times in, in the Bundesliga. He's a really good player. I was surprised he was on the bench, but I just thought that, I think they were a bit out of their depth in the first half, maybe just a bit of a, you know, a shock to, to the system, the way that we kind of was coming out with the attacking intent that we did. But, um, Havertz's goal, I mean, you just mentioned it before, and the performances that he needs to put in. It's, we, I mean, I, I love the goal. And even before the goal, I, I was still sort of, oh, he hasn't had the best of games. You know, he's a bit sloppy with the ball or he's losing possession. And, you know, the goal saved him, I think, in my opinion, for, mm. for that performance. But we do need to see that on a more consistent level um, from Kai Havertz. It was a brilliant goal, but the defending from Salzburg probably allowed that goal to be what it was because no one closes him down. He's got 
acres of space in front of him. Uh, I think it was I think it was Pulisic that passed him the ball. I think, and yeah. it was just acres of space. He had time to pick which corner, you know, what he was going to do with the ball, and it was a brilliant goal. But we do need to see that on a more consistent basis. I think going forward. Yeah, it was one of those ones you almost see in the YouTube training videos where there's no defenders, but he just bends yeah. it in. But but yeah, like you said, maybe it was poor defending from, from Salzburg. They didn't close Pulisic down. They gave him too much room and space and same with Havertz. But 100%, I agree with you. He needs to be more consistent now. You look at Obama Yank, get, maybe he doesn't score as much as we want him to, but he gets himself in the right areas, the right space. He receives the ball at the right time. And Havertz needs to just, you know, maybe take a, a page out from his book and just learn how to do that as well and get himself in the right position. His body language at times doesn't look the best. He's a bit sloppy when he's not on the ball. We need to see kind of, you know, those performances and that kind of work rate on the ball and off the ball as well. So I think he just needs to be more consistent and hopefully that goal will give him a bit of a boost now going into the Brighton game on uh, on Saturday. Yeah, no, I agree with that 100%. Now, we did, we've mentioned it a couple of times already around contracts for Thiago Silva and other players but there was a tweet that came out today um from cfcblues.com around um player contracts that are due to end from sort of the end of this season 2023 um up until 2024 so so it's an extensive list when you look at it and some of those players you would expect to be given contracts but um i wanted to start off with the top two because obviously Jorginho from what we're hearing from reports is in is in discussions or early negotiations for a new contract. And obviously I've said this on many times on here that, um, you know, N'Golo Kante is one of those players that potentially um, we may see leave the club just based on his injury record and the amount of games that he's missed. But what's your thoughts? Because obviously one of the two looks like likely they, they'll be leaving this summer. Jorginho is one that seems to be having those discussions. What what do you think will, how that will unfold over the next couple of weeks or so? I'm not going to repeat myself too much with the Kante contracts. We spoke about it quite a bit on the previous episode, how he's injured and you can't really offer a contract to a player who's injured. Potter wouldn't have seen him on the pitch as much as he'd want to. And it seems like as well, he wants to stay in London and we're not willing to give him over two-year contracts. He's over 30. So I think there's a bit of complication with that contract um, negotiation. And Potter even said that... Um, we can't start negotiations until he's fit as well. So I think that one's almost put on hold. And I, if I'm being honest, I don't expect Kante to receive a new contract. It pains me to say it, but as things stand, I can't see it happening. Whereas Jorginho, for me, is the more likely one to sign an extension, I feel. He's been quite uh, crucial in um, Potter's system so far. He's played almost, I want to say, 80% of the games. He's um, He's been linked to Barcelona um, on a free transfer. You know, We know how Barcelona love a freebie as well so um, I think that's the likely club that maybe will try to pick him up if he's on a free maybe a return to Napoli or to Serie A with Juventus as a possibility but I don't see why we let him go I often say Jorginho is kind of our scapegoat when things go wrong we blame him um, but I think he's been quite impressive with the performances he's put in so far under Potter um, I think I think he was man of the match actually I think he got against Salzburg I'm not sure if it was him or Kovacic one of the two got man of the match and I think I saw um, in the last couple of years, I think he got the most man of the match awards in the Champions League. So he's put in some big performances for us that kind of almost go unnoticed at times. But um, I'd like to see him given a new contract. It adds that kind of depth we need in midfield as well, that competition in the field. Because sure, we've got the likes of Mount Gallagher, Lotus Cheek, but are they natural kind of holding midfielders? Not so much as a Jorginho or a Kovacic. So um, yeah, I'd like to see uh, Jorginho extend his contract at least till 2024, 2025. There's a, I mean, there's a lot. I, I, yeah, I agree with some, some of that. I, I think mm. there's a, 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 there could be an argument to say, 
get rid of both and honestly start looking at other options. I think there's better options out there. Kante definitely 100% needs to, you know, he can't stay fit. And that's a massive, you know, the, the, the position that he plays in, that's a massive issue because, you know, the, the expectation is he needs to keep himself fit, whether that's the medical staff doing something wrong with rushing him back or whatever the case is. But there's something that are clearly, obviously, he's at that age now where injuries are going to take a lot longer to recover as well. Jorginho, I do agree. I think, I think with me sometimes, and I've noticed this very, I think even in the last couple of games, maybe not the, the Salzburg game, I don't think he, he was involved, but um, sometimes his, his, his defensive awareness isn't good, you know, and I think he's, he's one of these, these players that, you know, obviously he scores penalties and we, we, we love him for that. You know, he's, he's our penalty taker, but there's times in, in, in certain games where defensively, He's either isolated. Um, he's just not good enough. He, he's he's one of these. He's one of these players that just they give you a, a good performance one in five games in my in my opinion. And I, I just think, do we really need to keep him for another season? Do we need to go elsewhere and look at other options out there? It's it's a question. I think, in my opinion, we could potentially get rid of both, but we'd have to bring in some quality in that mm-hmm. you know that in that position. I think we have to go and get a player that is if not as good as Kante, better than Kante. Who, who that is, I don't know. We've been linked with a lot in the past, but I think we need to... I mean, I, I like uh, Alves. Um, I think he's a, a really good player. Um, from from Ajax. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think he's a he's a really good player. I, I watched him the other night, and he's a player that I would love to see at Chelsea. I think he's, 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 he's end, his final pass isn't the best. I think there's, there's things that he needs to work on, but I think for the age that he is, and Ajax seems to be a club that like to sell their, well, not like to, but you know, a lot of their players end up going to to other clubs, bigger clubs. So, you know, I think we we uh we got Jorginho out. Yeah, get him out. He's a bum. Uh, uh, so I, I I kind of agree a little bit. Matt, shout out Mando's football Goonie. Um, I agree a little bit with that because I think he's he's had his time. He's a good player. He, over the the years, he's definitely carried that midfield at times. But I think I think I see more bad of Jorginho than I do good at times. Mm-hmm. Me personally, I'd probably look at getting rid of both Jorginho and Kante. Kante because he's just injury prone now. He's not the level that he is. Um, Jorginho because he doesn't put in those performances that we need I think often enough in my opinion but um, I wanted to go through the rest of the list as well Alvarez and Rice man those football saying I'm not not fussed on Declan Rice I'll be honest no, I've been put off I've been put off by him so from the performances I've seen this this summer and if um if this this so far this season and if I had to pick a midfielder to replace Jorginho and or Kante I'd go for Bellingham I think it will cost us a lot of money so- but you know he's a box-to-box midfielder he's been brilliant so far for Dortmund if we miss out on him this summer he'll probably end up going to Liverpool Man City and excelling there we missed out on Chua many last summer who for me would have been the perfect replacement for Kante but um but yeah I think Alvarez and Rice like um man knows football options but I personally would go with Bellingham it will cost a lot of money but we're, we're getting a really bright bright player and he's proven himself in the Bundesliga and with England so Definitely Probably a no more than Declan Rice. I think Bellingham would be in the same region as what West Ham would want for Declan Rice, especially going to Chelsea as well. They, they'll add an extra couple of millions on, on top of that, I think, as well. But it's a fair shout as well. Um, looking at the list, so, you know, we look at Thiago Silva. You mentioned it before, you know, 38, we might extend him for another season. I wouldn't be against it. I wouldn't be against it. But I think he'd have to 
have the Ronaldo treatment of kind of sitting on the bench a little bit more, you know, being there for Chalabar to almost pass the baton over to to Chalabar and Wesley Fofana, who I still think has a lot of experience, um, you know, development needed to be a bit more experienced in the, in the centre-back role, you know, Leicester and he was good for Leicester. He had that massive injury, but we haven't really seen, obviously due to his injury that he's got at Chelsea, we haven't really seen what he can do for us so far. But I think having that experience of Thiago Silva just around the dressing room, the training the training pitch as well for another year, maybe going to a coach coaching role after that as well. Um, what, what's your thoughts on, on Silva? I'll give him a new contract. I think 100% one year extension. I think this time last year we were in exact, almost echoing the words we're saying now, saying, oh, we can't give him a new contract. And if we do, he has to play a limited amount of guy, games and maybe look into slowly um, transitioning Chiloba as the first choice ahead of Silva. And now we're sat here in October, 20, um, October 2022 and we're saying, you know, he's such a crucial player. We need him in the big games. And we do look like slightly lost when we don't have him in defence. Um, and just a few injuries like we have now to Fafana, Rhys James and Koulibaly. And all of a sudden, we're having to play wingers at wing backs, and then we have, we're forced to play Silva. So if we get if we don't give Silva a new contract, uh, for me, it's signing a new centre-back to replace him. And can you replace a player like Thiago Silva? Probably not. No, I don't think you can. I think, like we said before, you know, his football brain is, is still in its prime. You know, it's still a... His football brain will carry him through another season he keeps himself in good shape he's very rarely injured and even if he's injured he probably plays through the injury to be fair you know you don't really hear him um you know being sidelined for you know three to four or five games so I think he's for me someone I would I want to see as a coach at Chelsea at some point and retain his, his quality and his experience so I think keeping him at the club even if it means he plays a you know a secondary role to Chalaba or another centre-back that might come in over the next couple of couple of seasons or so but I think he's he's arguably got another season at least in him as well and um yeah I, I think we need to retain him I think the second two are yeses I think they're green ticks I think Mason Mount Mateo Kovacic for me personally uh, you know M- Mason Mount is one of those which is divides the fan base and I think we, we see we see glimpses you know moments in Mason Mount where at the moment, you know, he's in form, he's playing really well. Um, back-to-back player with the seasons. Yeah, I think Kovacic and Mount, for me, are just two that I think we'd be silly to allow, to, especially to go on a free transfer anywhere else, in my opinion. No, I agree completely. Um, I think Mount is probably the most likely to get the contract. He's probably, based on his, like you said, back-to-back player of the year awards, he'll probably ask for a big, big, a lot of money, particularly when he knows you know, the type of money that Reese James, Hudson and are on. Um, Kovacic as well, for me, um, a player that we need to give a new contract. I think he's still under 30, I want to say. Yeah, he's 20. 20 yeah. Yep. Yeah, and um, I think I saw some kind of quote. I'm not sure if I misread it, but he wanted to leave at one point when yeah, he was he still did. being managed by Tuchel, I think, maybe start this oh, yeah. season or end of last season. But maybe, you know, Potter coming in, Potter's new philosophy is maybe wanted him to stay, but he's got a contract till 2024, so it's still another season to consider his form and you never know what can happen in a year or two. So, um, but yeah, for me, if he keeps up his performances and his work rate and types of goals he can score, like we saw against Salzburg, even though they don't come often, then it's definitely a player that you'd want to keep in midfield. 
Yeah, I'd agree. With, I'd agree with both of them. I think Kovacic more so. I think he, I say it on here nearly every week, he does a lot that goes on notice. A lot of that dirty work, you know, getting the ball forward. His first intention to get the ball forward as opposed to looking back behind them. So, you know, we need players like Kovacic who, you know, drives that ball forward, in my opinion. Now, the next two, uh, Christian Pulisic, Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I feel like Pulisic, he hasn't done enough for me, I don't think, uh, in my opinion. I don't think he's done enough to to warrant being at the club. I just I don't see a future for him at the club. He wants out. He's, 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 obviously, his father's come out and spoke openly um, about, you know, not wanting to be at the club, not getting the game time that he deserves, all of these kind of things. So I just don't see enough from Pulisic to, to warrant him getting a new contract. And I'd be very surprised if he does get one. He's, he's a bit part player at the moment for Graham Potter. But what's your thoughts on, on Pulisic and, and of Ruben Loftus-Cheek as well? I think quickly on Pulisic, I think this is his season now. If he doesn't perform this season, I think um, it's finished his curtains for him at Chelsea, unfortunately. Um, I do think, to play devil's advocate, to be fair on Pulisic, he doesn't get as much game time as maybe he deserves at times. He's kind of under Potter. He's found himself behind Obama Yang, um, Raheem Sterling and Mason Mount in the pecking order. And when he has played, for me, he's often shown glimpses of what he can do. I think came on against Brentford, was really kind of um, influential. I think he had, a, he had a good impact on the game against um, against uh, Salzburg, even if he was played out of position at wing back. And the goal he scored against Wolves is, you know, shows that what he can do as well. But again, it's inconsistent. He's not getting proper look at at times. And I feel if we... He doesn't perform this season, then he's got a year left on his contract, and you don't want to let him go for it on on a free. So then you start to consider what type of teams will want to pick him up. I think he was linked to a loan with United um, in the summer, so that may still be a possibility. I'd hate to see him go to a rival because if Pulisic rediscovers that form that he had under Lampard at the end of the 20, 2019 2020 season, then as the Pulisic that we signed, he was brilliant. You know, almost giving kind of throw flash flashbacks to what Hazard was doing at Chelsea at times. But I think since all those kind of strings of injuries that he's had, it just hasn't been the same Pulisic. He's a bit lackluster. Decision-making has been quite often quite poor. Um, and for Loftus-Cheek, I think um, based on what I've seen this season, we have, he deserves a new contract. He's still young. There's talks of him going to Qatar as well now. He's versatile, right wing back. He can play even though it's not his preferred position. He can play as a central midfield. He can play in that number 10 role. So I think he's definitely a player that Potter will really want to kind of almost build his Chelsea team around. And I think another one of those players I said alongside of Jorginho, I want to say he's played about 80% of the games under Potter. He's rarely given, been given a rest. So, um, but again, a lot can happen in the next year or two. Um, injuries as well. He's a player that's often quite prone to an injury. Mm. But we'll see. But I think um, I'd give him a contract over, over Christian Pulisic based on what I've seen so far this season. Yeah, I should have said before we went on to Mason Mount and Kovacic. So their their contracts are due to expire 2024 um, alongside Christian Pulisic, Ruben Loftus-Cheek and also the next two, Patrick Aubameyang and Cesar Spiaqueta. Um, Neither, for me, would get renewals because Cesar Spiaqueta, you're talking, he'll be, what, early 30s then, I think, or mid-30s. So um, he's just, I mean, he's... What what would what does he offer? <laughs> and not to not to be disrespectful disrespectful to him, but what does he offer going forward? He can't really play right wing back anymore. Um if we're talking centre backs, I think we covered if we were to give Tiago over the, the renewal, you'd think uh 
Todd Bowley and Graham Potter want to bring in another centre-back alongside Fofana and Chalabar as well. Um, Reese James, I think we're bringing another right-back or another right-back mm. as well. So I think what game time would he be getting? What would he offer apart from you know experience in the dressing room, which again, you know, you can give that role to Thiago Silva if you give him that contract. And Patrick Aubameyang, I feel, was always going to be a stopgap. I feel like he was only here for, for Thomas Tuchel. Um, I, for me personally, we need to go out and get someone who can get also 20 goals a season, you know, 25 goals a season, prolific in front of goal. And I've said on here, you've said on here before, we haven't had that since, you know, Diego Costa, Didier Drogba. We haven't had it for years now. So we need someone that can be prolific in front of goal and score. You know, you, you put them in a team and you're, you're almost expecting them to score a goal, at least a goal, you know, see Harlan play and he's he's you know he's gonna either you know he's gonna get a couple of shots on target and he's at least gonna get a goal when he scores nine out of ten times so we don't have that with with um with with Abamyang. So what 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 do you what do you think about Abamyang and, and uh Aspilicueto? No I'd agree with you. Um you're looking at those that, that date twenty twenty four that's still two years away and I yeah. think um they're the wrong side of thirty now and you, you don't want to be offering a, a contract to a player who's already you know, over that kind of age, Aspilicueta, arguably lucky to get even a contract this summer, potentially. And Aubameyang, for me, is a player that will play a big part in the next this season and next season. But beyond that, probably not. I think he'll return to Ligue 1, maybe Saint-Étienne, where he started his career, I believe. Or maybe one of those you know, moves to Turkey, like we see. But still a brilliant player. But I think come, come the year, 2024, I think his time in the Premier League may be over. But I'm still excited to see the rest of his performances this season. But not that type of player that we can compare to a DDA Drogba or a Diego Costa who will get us those 20 goals a season. Yeah, no, I agree. And you're right, you know, we're talking about players that are leaving, you know, 2024. So there's still time for Aubameyang to do something in the, in that space of time. But I think if we're looking forward, um, again, Man Knows Football makes a good point here that, you know, a lot of these players' days aren't, they are numbered. Um, you can see, um, and obviously Todd Bowley's brought in you know, it's a, a bunch of players, um, bunch of coaching staff directors underneath him um that are very much into the data driven um you know performance data driven to 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 look at plays that they want to bring in so you can kind of see that from what the old regime was trying to do with under roman is completely shifted as to what todd bowley's trying to to do with some of the the directors and the coaching staff and the the youth development staff that have been brought into to look at future signings as well so i do think there's a lot of players that will um, you know, you, you saw Ross Barkley wasn't scared to pay off contracts as well, which is another thing. You know, he he paid up Ross Barkley and allowed him to leave on a free transfer. So I think there will be some some change over the next two windows. I did say as well that we need to judge uh, Todd Bow next summer as well to see who he can bring in and who potentially leaves the club as well. But just going into the game at the weekend, the Amex game for Graham Potter returning back to his previous club Brighton um, still unbeaten which is a, a you know it's a, I'm sure that bubble's going to burst at some point which I'm sure other rival fans are, are looking forward to but just thinking back to the Salzburg performance the the United performance as well which is a bit up and down but what's your expectations going into tomorrow's game against Brighton? I think fortunately we're not playing Potter's Brighton we're playing the Zerbi I think he's called the Zerbi's Brighton who have been a bit lacking identity since he's taken over. They do have some quality players that we have to you know, single out to Trossard, who's had a fantastic season so far and, and will be dangerous when we play them tomorrow. 
But I think on paper, it's these type of games that we need to be winning. We've dropped points against Brentford and United. And I think we can't afford now to drop points against uh, Brighton. Um, Potter will know these Brighton players very well. They haven't had time to bring in anyone new since um, since he took over or left in September. Um, still a tricky ground. I think we, we drew there last season. Uh, I think it was a 1-1 draw. Um, then again, we are. I don't think Brighton have ever beaten us in the Premier League or in their history at all. So, you know, the right... The, the statistics and the records are pointing towards us to get to pick up some points, but I'm still expecting a tough game. It's a 3 p.m. kickoff as well. We're going to have another Champions League game midweek next season, so there may be some rotation potentially. We would have played as well on um, on Tuesday. And as well, we have injuries, so we can't afford to rotate too much. We saw that on against Salzburg. We were forced to play with wingers at, at wing-back position, um, but I think this might mean that Chilwell comes back in at left wing-back. We may see Cucurella again at, at centre-back, depending on if Koulibaly's fit or not. I think I saw that Fafana's now tra- um, training on a, a, a bike at the gym, which is promising, but I still don't expect yep. him, expect to see him until after the World Cup. But yeah, like you've pulled up now the table, Newcastle are ahead of us or level on points with us. You know, you can, um, Manchester United are breathing down our necks. So I think it's the Liverpool type of games. As well, you know. Liverpool, Liverpool as well. Points, you know, for sure. Points, but the reason I pulled the table up is because I'm you know, I looked this morning and for some weird reason, I thought Brighton were, you know, 13th, 14th, 15th. Mm. And to see them, you know, they haven't won in five, but they're still ninth. So it tells you they've had a relatively good start to the season where they are, you know, ninth in the league. Um, I, you know, I agree with you. I think we, we should be beating them. Even if we rotate slightly, you'd expect the likes of Sterling and Aubameyang to come back into the team. Mason Mount, who I think came on for two minutes, I think against Salzburg as well. So you'd expect those players to come in um, but Brighton are, a, I mean, they're a tough team to play against. And you look at the likes of Danny Welbeck, uh, Trust, um, you know, they've got some really good players in that squad. McAllister as well. Um, another player that I like, Tariq Lamptey, if, he's, if he starts as well down at right side. So this is not an easy game going into um, off the back of the Salzburg performance. And like you said, obviously we can hopefully rest players against the Zagreb in midweek, but this is not, a, it's, it's not a, you know, a, a full con- gone conclusion that we'll we'll get three points here. And you look at the teams above and below. You know, look at United, Liverpool. Like I just said, you know, those kind of teams you'd expect this weekend to, to pick up points. Newcastle, we can't really allow them to to go f- too far. You know, if they start picking up wins and we're we're getting draws, that gap's suddenly going to be you know six, seven, eight, nine points. And you know, we can't afford to allow Newcastle that that time to to drift away into that top four. Um, I, I do think it'll be interesting to see who he goes with in the midfield because I think, obviously, I, I, something tells me he's going to bring back Jorginho. Um, I, I prefer seeing Loftus-Cheek in that position alongside Petic. I, I still don't understand why we're playing a back five when clearly we don't have the centre-backs at the moment that will allow us to play realistically with a back five. Um, and yes, playing against Salzburg with Sterling as the left left wing back and Pulisic as the right wing back, it works. But I think Brighton will be more, you know, they'll be up for this and they'll 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 want to try and press us from the first first balls kicked. So um I I would I would revert back to a back four, in my opinion. I'd go back to back four. Aspiliqueta more comfortable as a right back. Like you said, maybe I still think Cucurella will play in this game, um, just because he's you know, he knows Brighton. Graham Potter might trust him a little bit more. Um, my middle two would be uh, Silver, Chalabar, Loftus-Cheek, Kovacic, uh, Mason Mount, and then 
Um, I'd probably have Sterling. Interesting on the right. Does it? Who does he go with there? Does he? Does he try and put Havertz there? Does he put uh, Hakim Ziyech and Mbappeyan got front? But I, I just don't want to see a, a back or you know the three centre backs and the two wing backs if it means playing Pulisic out of position, playing Raheem Sterling out of position. Yes, they can play there, but we just don't have the defenders to to accommodate that at times. And we got away with against Salzburg, but Brighton will be up for this game 100%. Yeah, for sure. I'd have to agree with the kind of lineup mock-up that you you just listed. And uh, I think um, if we, we don't have the uh, kind of the defenders right now to to play five at the back, we don't have a natural right wing back. And I do want to see Loftus-Cheek in the field for this game. I think he started on the bench against um, against Salzburg. So it's a perfect game to bring him in. Gallagher is another one for me who was superb on Tuesday. Um, I think it was his Champions League debut, I believe, and he was really, really promising and had a great game. So he's potentially one that can maybe have an influence on this type of game. Um, do you, does he bring Broja in as well, potentially? Um, was that maybe one that he, he starts against um, against Zagreb? But I think, it, like you said, it's not going to be an easy game. Um, Brighton on, I think it was ninth, like you showed, for a reason. They picked up points. Um, I'm just kind of hoping that like, the likes of Cucurella, the likes of Graham Potter will know this Brighton team really well. I don't think, like I said, I don't think they've created a real identity since the Zerbi's taken over. So I think it's, there's potential for us to pick up the three points, but it's not going to be easy enough, um, that being said. I think this is a, the perfect time to... I mean, you look at those three fixtures there, you've got Brighton, obviously, on, on Saturday, tomorrow. Then you've got that Zagreb game where you can potentially, like we said earlier, rest, rotate, and allow some of your key players, you know, the Sterlings or the you know, Thiago Silva, for instance, maybe even Mendy gets a, a run out in goal. You can allow a lot of your players. I think the two games in between that Zagreb game are important, I think, going forward. Because I think, like I said, if, you know, Liverpool pick up points, Man United pick up points, Newcastle, Tottenham drift away, that, that for me, tells me that we've got to utilise that middle um, Champions League game, the final mm-hmm. group stage match. We've got to utilise the squad, rest as many players. Because that game on Sunday, I think it's an early kickoff at 12 o'clock against Arsenal. Big game. We've got, you know, we've got to win that, not just because of the points and pushing up the league, but it's Arsenal and we've got them anyway. But I think that tells me that Brighton and Arsenal are both must-win games. And to say that this early in the season's mental, but if you look at the, the teams that are around us, you know, these are must-win games now. Brighton's a must-win game. Arsenal's a must-win game. If we if we realistically want to try and push into top four um, at, at best Europa, remember I wrote this season off, but if we can get into those positions, I think we've got to, we've got to be beating Brighton. We, we can't, if we can't beat Brighton, we, should, we don't deserve top four, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. agree. And like, you've got it up on screen now, but the Arsenal game on the 6th of November, yes, they're, back, they're playing really well at the moment, but if you, to get into top four, even to challenge for the Premier League, you need to be beating your top six rivals or picking up points against them, especially when you're at home. You look at the 2014-2015 season under Mourinho and the Conte season where we won. We beat a lot of our top six rivals in those seasons. And this is a game we can't really... I do think Arsenal have been really properly challenged and when they have the like against the likes of United, they've often kind of struggled at times. So... We'll see it. We'll, be, we'll talk about it closer to the time. But for now, we have to focus on Brighton on, on Saturday. And it's the type of game we need to be winning if you want to challenge for the top four, 100%. Yep. I couldn't agree more with that. Before we wrap up, let's do our predictions. Um, I'm going to go I'm gonna go all out. I'm going to say 3-0. I'm going to say 3-0. I, was, I think, yeah. I think I we'll score. I think we'll, 
well, I think we'll score some goals. I think even depending on, you know, if it's a Bamiyang, I think part of me feels like Rosia might, might start. Um, I just think this could be a game where you need someone with a bit more pace going forward um, to, to deal with Brighton's defence. And I think Broja can do that. We got to see it against uh, Ben Mee, I think it was for, for uh, Brentford. And, you know, he's, he's got he's got pace on him. Um, yes, his end product is probably not 100% or hasn't been this season anyway. But I think, you know, if, if Broja does start um, with Mason Mount feeding balls in Sterling as well, Hakim Ziyech or whoever's playing on that right side, I think he's got, I think he's got a good shout to, to start no. um, and maybe give him two games. Maybe you give him the Zaga game or maybe, you know, you bring on Brozier, start Aubameyang and then you start Brozier against um, Zagreb. But I think 3-0 is a fair shout. I think I can't, well, it depends if we play back four. If we play back four, 3-0. If we play three centre-backs with the win-backs, I reckon it'll be 3-1. What yeah, I was going to I was going to say 3-1. I actually can see a score 3 if we play like the same kind of patterns of play that we played against them Salzburg and the link-up play. I think we can score um quite a few, but I still think we're playing um we're playing um, away from home is still a decent Brighton team, so I think they will get one. So I'm going to go with 3-1. There we go. There we go. I'm going to go 3-0. But clean sheet. Clean sheet. I think Kepa, if he starts, he's he's obviously trying to get the uh, the golden glove this year. But yeah, I'm gonna go three 0 But whatever happens, three points is the main thing. You know, I think we need to make sure we 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 don't lose sight of that top four, um, which we kind of could do this weekend if we're not careful. But let us know your thoughts in the comments. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel and like and let us know your thoughts um about what we've discussed around the contracts as well. Trevor Chalaba going to the World Cup. Do you think he's in for a fair shout? Linktree link is in the description, so make sure you go back and check all our previous episodes and also follow the social accounts as well. Theo, as always, thank you very much for joining me. We'll be back next week, I'm sure, for another one, another therapy session. Um, and in, are you going to are you going to the game? You're not making a trip down to uh... no it's away tickets is a hassle to get this this yeah. season, but it's one of those away games I wish I could get a ticket to. We we need to do a, a, um, a, a virtual a, waiting room. We need to do an episode on the virtual waiting room because I've apparently uh, Newcastle away yesterday, uh, there was a glitch in the system and literally no one got a ticket. So it'll be interesting to see who's actually going to the game. But um, yeah, we need to do a separate episode on that 100%. But enjoy your weekend. Obviously, stressful mood. Make sure it's done by 3pm so you can watch the game or watch it somehow uh, <laughs> uh, on, a, on a lovely uh, link somewhere. Um, but yeah, enjoy enjoy watching the game. This has been 72, episode 72 from the Shed End Podcast. Thank you very much for watching. Until next time, stay safe and we'll be back next week.